1: While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said no, he only looks like him, but he himself insisted, "I am the man." How then were your eyes opened? They asked. He replied, "The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see." And now we're going to read verses 24 and 25. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know I was blind, but now I see.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Joe. Well, it's great to be with you this morning. We're continuing our series, Just Walk Across the Room, where we're talking about how we are called to be a community of people living on mission. We're called to be a community of people where our lives are focused, are oriented, are directed wholly towards mission. And as we continue looking at this topic, last week we talked about how we're called to live in 3D, to develop friendships, then discover stories, and, and then discern next steps. But the question is, then, how do we do that? How do we discern next steps? So, say, uh, you've got to know someone, you've listened to them, you've hung out, you've, you've heard their stories, and you feel like maybe God's prompting you to go that next step, to start a conversation, to, to introduce God. How do you do that? Or what about when someone asks you a question, uh, why do you attend church? Uh, yesterday, I, was, uh, I went to Albury for some errands and I had to pick up a pair of jeans because, you know, the last ones got torn and youth ministry. And um, I went into the shop, picked out a pair of jeans, it's all good. And at the counter, the lady says, oh, so what are you doing for the rest of your day? So I just say, oh, got some prep for tomorrow and doing getting some stuff ready, and she says, what are, you, what are you getting ready for? There's this segue. Or maybe someone asks you a question like, what's your story? You, you've, been, you've been asking about mine, what's your story? Or maybe they'll ask something like, uh, you, you're a religious, don't all religions end in the same place? Isn't it all going to the same direction? How do we answer those sorts of questions? Well, the title of our message today is The Power of story. I've got three points I'd love to share with you, is that number one is that stories are powerful. Number two is that you are called to tell God's story, and number three, you're called to tell your story well. Stories are powerful, you're called to tell God's story, and you're called to tell your story well. And It's my prayer that this will help you share your faith, but why don't we pray before we get into it? Thank you, God, for this time. Thank you for these wonderful people here. And I uh, thank you that you've gathered us here. Lord, uh, not one event in our lives escapes you. You know everything. You know our hearts and you deeply love us. And Lord, I pray that as we open your word, Lord, uh, Lord, that you'll be speaking. I don't have anything unless you speak through us, through me. And would you open our hearts um, and speak to us? And Lord, would the word of God send, change us so that we, we leave here Not the same, but change people to walk across the room. In Jesus' name, amen. So, stories are powerful. We all love a good story. And uh, the Bible is full of stories. But... I don't know about you, but the, the, the times when, when something has changed me most or, or changed the way I think most has often been a story. In, in May, earlier this year, a bunch of our youth went along to VCYC in, um, in Melbourne. And one of the things that stuck with me is from uh, John Dixon, the speaker, was telling a story about mission. He was saying how uh, a friend of his was a plumber and... He had a non-Christian friend who was an electrician. And every Saturday, they used to go for a bike ride. They loved cycling. So every Saturday, they'd catch up and go for a cycle. And they'd talk about life, have a yarn, just see how things are going. And they did this for, for years. And one particular Saturday, this, this non-Christian friend asks his, his friend saying, well, he doesn't ask, he, he, he puts it out as a statement saying, you know what, Christians are all hypocrites, right? Christians, are they, they go to church on Sunday and they're so good, but, but then they live the rest of their life just like anyone else. They're, they're all the same as, as us. They're hypocrites. And he's talking about this for a while before his friend, the Christian friend, says, you know what, mate, don't, don't worry about everyone else. You just worry about you and God. Now, the conversation moves on. They keep going. They're on their bike ride. But those words stick with this non-Christian friend. You just worry about you and God. And even though he goes on the rest of the day, goes into the night, it's Sunday morning again, but these words are just echoing through his head. You just worry about you and God. And he can't get it out of his head. So he goes to church that Sunday. Here's the gospel, becomes a Christian, and his life is changed. The next Sunday, they go for a cycle. this, these two people go for a cycle again, and, and this, this non Christian friend who was non Christian says to his friend, Oh, you wouldn't guess what I did. I became a Christian last Sunday, and this friend nearly falls off his bike because he's like, What, you? No way. But it's the, the little things sometimes. Now, I love that story because it, it shows how it's something we can all do, it's something we can all achieve. Now, we can tell stories like that to get across a point. But the Bible is full of stories as well, as I just mentioned. The Old Testament, the largest subsection of the Old Testament is narrative. We get into the Gospels and Jesus in Mark, it says that that Jesus told nothing to the crowds without using parables, without using stories. Um, And in particular, he's talked about stories as powerful, but your story is powerful. We talked about this in Revelation not too long ago, that Revelation twelve eleven, and they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. There's power in your story. But as we go on, we're not just called to tell stories about God. In particular, we're called to tell God's story. Uh, there's a, a method that I've found helpful now. Um, Bill Hybels uses a few different um, patterns things that you can use to convey the gospel. But one that I found really helpful is in a book called Unreached. It's by Tim Chester. He's talking about sharing our faith and, and evangelism. And he, he, he breaks down the story of the Bible into four words. The, the, the Bible starts talking about creation, that we're made in right relationship with God. God declares all of creation good. He says everything is good, and, and humanity is in right relationship with God. The problem is... Along comes the fall. Humanity rebels God, rejects God, and chooses to define its own way, to make its own rules, to to set its own plans. And so we have creation, the fall, and I'll write these on the board. We have creation, creation, fall, but from that point onwards... It's going to fall over. It's making strange noises. Here we go. From that point onwards, God begins not only creation, but recreation, restoration. God is bringing things back into relationship with him and he starts a salvation plan. A salvation story, which all centers and points to the person of Jesus. In him and through faith in him, we can now approach God again. But that leads us to hope. The Bible doesn't finish just with Jesus, but it finishes with a restored creation where Jesus coming sets everything right again. So we have creation for salvation hope. To set 66 books in summary, that's pretty much the story of the Bible. Now, a lot of people would say, well, that's good and well. But deeper than that are some, some other questions, some other themes. With creation, we have our identity. Or maybe we're um, uh, individualistic culture now. It's probably my identity. Fall is my problem. Salvation is asking my solution. And hope is asking, well, my hope. My, what, what's the fruit? What's, what's, what am I looking forward to? So these are asking really sets of questions. Who am I? And what am I here for? Problem is asking what's wrong with our world and everyone has an opinion on that. And what's wrong with me? And, and what will make things Right? Sorry, my handwriting is going all over the place. And what am I looking forward to? Now, look at those questions for a second. Two. Think about it. Every single person on planet Earth, every human, every person who's ever lived has a set of answers to those questions. You with me? Everyone has an answer. Who am I? What's wrong with our world? What will make things right? And, and what am I looking forward to? Now, it's probably not the same answers as the Bible, but everyone has a set of answers to those questions. So, how are they answering them? Well, the author of this book gives some, um, gives some examples. Maybe you've heard of someone telling their story like this. Who am I? Well, I need to be loved. My, sol- my problem is that I don't get the love I need, but my solution then is to offer my body to people, and so my hope is that romantic relationships will fill that void, will make me feel loved and complete. They've just told a gospel story. They've told themselves a set of answers to that question. They've told themselves a salvation story, if you like. I need to be loved, but... I'm not loved and so I need to then fill that with, with relationships and, and, and where's that going to lead, right? Or what about another story? I need respect. Someone could say, I need respect. But the problem is that I'm not respect. I feel vulnerable and I'm, I'm vulnerable to verbal and physical attack. So what's my solution? Well, I carry a knife. And my hope is that violence will make me... Be respected. Then people will respect me. People tell themselves that story. Well, here's another one. I'm a party animal. I don't get enough pleasure. So I need to get pleasure at every possible opportunity so that I'll be happy and then I'll be satisfied. But the problem is that I'm never satisfied. I do things I know I shouldn't really do, things that hurt me and other people. Everyone has a set of answers to that question so the question is then how do we tell god's story because everyone as i said has these these answers but what's god's answer what's the bible telling us about our story well imagine for a second if those story those people became christians imagine that first story i said i need to be loved remember that one what would it look like if that person then became a Christian? I need to be loved with their identity. Well, when they meet Jesus, how does that change? Well, it's no longer I just need to be loved. I'm made to love God and then be loved by God, right? My problem then isn't just that people don't love me. My problem is that I'm looking for love in all the wrong places. And in fact, I love myself. And so my solution now isn't to go and look for romantic relationships, My solution isn't to offer my body to people. No, my solution is to stop loving myself and to love the one who gave his body for me in my place to show me how much he loves me. And then my hope then is that an everlasting relationship with God in which I'm loved and then I love God leaves me satisfied. Do you see that? See how Jesus changes their story? It started with, I'm loved and I need love, but it ends with, when I met Jesus, all of that changes. And I, my story is, is, is retold. Jesus retells our story and we find our story within his story. You with me? So what about a different one, the, the party animal story? Remember the, the story where I need to feel pleasure. I, I just need to, to, to feel pleasure all the time, but I'm not. So I'm trying to satisfy that. Well, imagine that person meets Jesus. Their story might go something like this. I used to think I'd be happy if I drank enough and I went raving more. But many Saturdays and Sundays after partying, I felt sad and empty. They realized their problem is that they were looking in all the wrong places and I never felt truly satisfied. But now, when he met Jesus, I get satisfaction from God and it's way better. I see what Jesus did for me. Jesus was emptied so that I could be filled up and now... I'm left with real peace. You see how Jesus changes our stories. Now, what about you? How would your story fit into something like this? If you're not a follower of Jesus, you would probably find that your answers leave you feeling something of an emptiness. But if we're, church, if we're following Jesus, surely we should see that our answers point back to Jesus. Our story tells God's story. Now, putting that aside for a second, the reading which Joe read to us earlier was about this man who was born blind. He uh, was, was struggling, he was sitting at the pool every day wanting to, to be healed. And his disciples say. Um, why was this man born blind? They, they, they're asking Jesus, but what was Jesus' response? He heals the man and then sends him out to tell his own story. Jesus then says, um, he calls him from where he was, but along came Jesus, and then he has a new story. I was blind, but along came Jesus, and now I can see. And what does he do? He goes and tells his story. He, his friends that knew him before say, Is this the same person? And he says, Yeah, I'm the same person. I, just, I was blind, but along came Jesus, and now I can see. And then the Pharisees come along and question him, saying, What happened? What did you do? What did he do? And he says, I don't know who this Jesus is. I don't know all the details, but I I do know I was blind, but along came Jesus, and now I can see. Do you see, that's the answer to these questions that we started with. When someone says, so why are you a Christian? Why do you go to church? Tell your story. But don't just tell your story. Tell God's story, because stories are powerful. People listen to stories. People couldn't deny the blind man's story. They could deny how he got there. They could try and change it and and say Jesus wasn't the son of God, but they couldn't deny what had happened to him. How are you telling God's story? And how are you telling your story within God's story? I was here, but, but I realized that I was looking in the wrong places, but along came Jesus, and now I'm here. I can see. I was blind, but now I can see. Do you see it? What would it look like for you to tell your story like that? Now, next week, Pastor David is going to continue to to talk about how we tell our story well and examples of well and not well. But I would love for us to be thinking, how do we find our story within God's story? And my prayer for you is that when you do this with people, that people would see Jesus in you, the hope of glory. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this chance to to look at how your story changes us. Lord, stories are powerful. And you've told a story and you invite us, you call us to tell your story. And you call us to find our story within that and to tell our story well. Lord, as we engage with people outside the church, as we engage um, our friends and colleagues and, and schoolmates, Lord, help us to be able to walk across the room build relationships, hear people's stories, and then find these answers to the next step. We can't do this without your spirit. So would you do it in us, in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: I challenge people to take risks in their relationships with people outside the family of God. And I say, look, just walk across a room, reach out a hand, start a conversation. You don't know where it's going to lead. But if the opportunity comes for you to hear the story of someone else, that's cool. Even if you don't have an opportunity to tell yours. Just treat people with enough dignity to communicate to them that their story matters. Hopefully, they'll be open to you telling yours and you tell it. And that's the stuff that God uses. And so many times I've told my brief little story and someone went, oh, thank you very much. And I didn't think it had any effect on them. And I would find out months or years later that the little seed that was planted through the telling of my one-minute story was something that God used. And uh, they started a faith walk and became a Christian, got baptized, and all that, and they trace it back to the telling of my little story. blows my mind. But the Scripture says there's power in the the sharing of the central truths of Christianity, a power beyond the words. It's what the Holy Spirit uses to catalyze activity in people's minds and hearts. So we have to be ready and willing and, and eager when the opportunity arises to tell our stories.